We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Away we go, episode 193 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. Although, with this being Thanksgiving week and thus a short work week for many of you, uh, this Tuesday is more like a Thursday, right? Or maybe even a Friday, depending on if you're off on Wednesday. It's a little confusing. But you get the idea. Anyway, whatever your work schedule happens to be, good to have you with us on this, the only DC sports podcast or show that comes to you every weekday, at least during non-holiday and non-vacation weeks, with each episode out oh so early in the morning, out so that you wake up to all of the insight and tomfoolery that you could ever need regarding Washington, D.C. sports. We have a lot to get into on this installment of the podcast regarding our now four and six Washington football team. What exactly is going on here with this two-game winning streak? A two-game winning streak that perhaps now looks even better with how the New York Giants got throttled at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football 30-10. Of course, it is our team the team currently known as the Washington football team that will be playing on the next installment of Monday Night Football, Washington home to the Seattle Seahawks this coming Monday night. Let us hope that that game does not end up being a throttling of Washington, given Washington's brutal history uh, on Monday Night Football in terms of Monday Night games at FedEx Field. But I digress. But this two-game winning streak for Washington, what exactly is this two-game winning streak? What exactly does this two-game winning streak mean? Where exactly is this two-game winning streak taking us this season? I'm going to talk about these things next segment off comments from Ron Rivera at his day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon. A presser that featured a lot, and I mean a lot, 
of conversation about Taylor Heineke. And why not? Uh, Heineke in the 27-21 win at the Carolina Panthers on Sunday afternoon. It was great for a second consecutive game, following up his very good performance in the win over the Bucs at FedEx Field in Week 10 quite nicely. Back-to-back good games for Heineke against really good defenses. Is Taylor Heineke making his case as a legit franchise quarterback candidate for Washington? Now, you know that the Taylor Heineke deniers, the Taylor Heineke haters, the Tay-Tay haters, the Taters are going to pick every nit possible with what Heineke has done over these last two games. But the truth is that he has been excellent. I'll speak to that truth and also explore what Ron said on Monday, because Ron essentially got into this notion of Heineke potentially being a franchise quarterback. Ron also discussed the Antonio Gibson fumbling problem. So we'll talk about that. Uh, I will postgame a Wizards loss. Wiz fell to the Charlotte Hornets, 109-103 at Capital One Arena on Monday night. A bad night for the Wizards, both defensively and offensively. And I'll talk some Orioles. Yes, O's talk in November. Uh, as Trey Mancini on Monday evening won the American League Comeback Player of the Year award. Good for him. Uh, the O's should still trade him. <laughs> we'll talk about that late in the show. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Brandon Joyner in North Carolina on the Washington football team. I got this from Brandon last week, so prior to the win at the Panthers. Wrote Brandon, first I have to say I love your podcast. I miss listening to you on the radio back home in the DMV. I am originally from PG County and am now living in North Carolina. I'm going to the game this Sunday in Charlotte and I am interested to see if we have a great showing of Washington football team fans at the game. My dad is originally from North Carolina, and when he lived here, the Panthers did not exist, so he, along with many North Carolinians, had the choice between the Atlanta Falcons and the Redskins, so many fans in the Carolinas turned to Washington because the Skins were winning at the time. My dad passed away in 2016, so I'm going to the game to honor him and I'm hoping for a WFT win. I listened to yesterday's episode, number 190, and I am in full agreement with you about this game. I know there are a lot of storylines coming into the game, especially with Cam Newton coming back and Don Ron coming back to Carolina, but this is a business trip for us. With so much that has been going on this season for the team, I hope we go in there and show that Ron has the kryptonite to slow down Super Cam and the Panthers. Like the Iron Sheik says, make them humble. I love it, Brandon. I love it. Uh, Brandon, I wanted to read your email on the show because of you going to the game to honor your dad. I'm guessing that your dad was smiling from above watching Washington. Yes, make the Panthers humble. Make him humble. Yes, Shiki baby. Taylor Heineke put the Panthers in the camel clutch and make them humble. Make him humble. Yes, Shiki. Thank you. Uh, email from Eric from Weedman on the Washington football team. Writes Eric, Jamin Davis seems to be improving in on a lot of tackles and good sideline to sideline. A rebuild thought. It seemed Brucifer's teams had the key name players, but nothing behind them when we faced the inevitable injuries. I may be wrong, but it seemed we were struggling to hire people off the street and put things together. The new team seems to immediately tap the practice squad and use the position flex 
it could be the depth that the team has created that will pave the way for late season success. The way we have shuffled the offensive line has really been amazing. Troy Apke coming up with that fumble. Does that play alone make him worth being on the team? It was a critical point in a game in a critical point in the season. So yes, Eric, Jamin Davis does look better. Uh, He did over-pursue Christian McCaffrey on that Cam Newton second and two eight-yard completion to McCaffrey on the opening drive of the game, which resulted in Cam's touchdown pass to the Maryland product, DJ Moore. But yes, by and large, Jamin Davis does look better. The entire defense looks better. You know, we're not seeing receivers running screaming wide open downfield these days. We're seeing the defense generate third down stops. This has been like an entirely new defense. And of course, amazingly, this is happening with the team being without both Chase Young and Montez Sweat. As for Troy Apke, uh, aka Trap, uh, I got this email from Luke Archer, writes Luke. Well, look, Troy Apke made an important play on special teams, even though it was just a fumble recovery. Are we still regretting Ron Rivera keeping Troy Apke over Jimmy Moreland? It feels like Troy Apke hasn't made any big special teams plays and hasn't even played on any defensive snaps this far into the season. It doesn't look like Troy Apke is a better player than Jimmy Moreland. I know it is late in the season to still be talking about this, but it would be nice to have Jimmy Moreland on the team. I would rather have a starting nickel corner than a special teams player who hasn't made many or any big plays yet, especially with some corner injuries earlier in the season. It would really help to have Jimmy Moreland. That decision still doesn't make any sense this far into the season. Keep up the great work and let's go, Tampa Taylor. Well, thank you for the email, Luke. And yes, let's go, Tampa Taylor, a nickname that is so bad, uh, it's good. I actually kind of like it. Uh, So personally, I still think that Washington should have kept Jimmy Moreland. I talked about this a lot at the time of the cutdown to 53 over the summer. Uh, And look, keeping Jimmy Moreland didn't have to be at Troy Apke's expense if Washington was that dead set on keeping Apke for special teams purposes. I mean, Washington could have kept Moreland over, say, Daryl Roberts, but it should be noted that Jimmy Moreland has done very little this season. Uh, He's on the Houston Texans. He has played in a total of three games and on a total of zero defensive snaps. So yeah, (laughs) there is that. Uh, But Moreland was a good nickel corner for Washington last season. That's why I have wondered if there's more to the Jimmy Moreland situation than we know. But as I talked about when Washington released Moreland in the cut down to 53, a guy who can adequately play nickel corner is worth more than a guy who only plays on special teams. I don't care how good of a special teams player that guy is. And Apke is exclusively a special teams player. Troy Apke has not played on a single Washington defensive snap this season. And that's even with Washington having dealt with a good bit of injury at corner. William Jackson III missed two games due to a knee injury. Benjamin St. Juice has dealt with multiple concussions. Both Daryl Roberts and Tory McTire are on the reserve injured list. And yet still, Troy Apke, aka Trap, has not played on a single Washington defensive snap this season. But he did have the big fumble recovery in the win at the Panthers. That is true. Recovered that DeAndre Carter fumble on a second quarter kickoff return and the ensuing Washington offensive drive resulted in Taylor Heineke's touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin with nine seconds left in the first half. Washington, to its credit, has been very good on special teams this season, even with the issues at kicker 
Uh, the latest DVOA ratings from Football Outsiders will come out on Tuesday, but Washington, through Week 10, was number four in the NFL in special teams DVOA this season. And again, it's even with Washington having been really bad at kicker this season. Football Outsiders breaks down the components of special teams DVOA. Washington's value on field goals and extra points is bad, but most everything else special teams-wise is good. And yes, trap is part of that. Ron Rivera really likes Troy Apke. For all of the players who predated Ron with Washington, with whom Ron has cut ties, Apke has survived. You know, Trap has survived. And I'm sure that that fumble recovery only helped his cause. That was a good way for Trap to further ingratiate himself with Don Ron. Well, there's no better way to grow your business than with ImageWorks. Uh, ImageWorks is a full-service boutique web design, branding, and marketing company. Clients in the DMV and throughout the country trust ImageWorks to deliver full-service, forward-thinking, and growth-accountable marketing services. From the forging of authentic brands and the development of engaging websites to the reeling in of new customers and the spreading of brand awareness, ImageWorks creative minds are focused on one goal, your business success. ImageWorks will help you find more customers, tell a story that positions you as a leader, increase conversions, plan your overall marketing strategy, nurture warm leads, and much more. But ImageWorks is more than a branding and marketing firm. ImageWorks is a one-stop digital shop with a complete team of in-house designers, marketers, developers, art directors, strategists, and writers. ImageWorks thinks of you as a collaborative partner. ImageWorks works best as an extension of your team, pitching ideas, thinking outside the box, and developing the strategy, branding, and marketing campaigns that'll take you from A to B. Put ImageWorks to work for you by calling 703-378-0000 or by going to imageworkscreative.com and clicking on contact near the upper right corner. When you call or contact, Make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast because doing so will get you a free homepage search engine optimization and conversion review. That phone number again is 703-378-0000 or go to imageworkscreative.com and click on contact near the upper right corner and make sure that you mention the Al Galdi podcast. Imageworks, creative minds focused on one goal, your business success. Well, as some of you may know, and if you don't know, you should know, but the greatest professional wrestler of all time is the nature boy, Ric Flair. Being a pro wrestler is about many things, drawing power, interview skills, in-ring work, look. There has never been a better package of all of these things in the pro wrestling business than Ric Flair. The nature boy, as he likes to say. And one of the great thrills of my life was as a 16-year-old punk kid with my friends sneaking into a hotel bar in Baltimore after the Great American Bash in 1996, shaking Flair's hand as he made his way to the bar and saying to him, another great performance tonight, champ. And I called him champ, even though I was a 16-year-old punk kid, because I had read that that was what other wrestlers called him behind the scenes. That was an insider term. And so I wanted to come off like an insider. Anyway, Ric Flair has many great sayings, but one of his more underrated sayings was slash is, what's causing all this? 
It is a rhetorical question. But Ric Flair, when doing a promo on TBS back in the day, used to say all of the time, what's causing all this? Here you go. What's causing all this? Yeah, that was one example. Here's an even better example. And we always want to know one thing. What's causing all this? There you go. Classic flair. Vintage flair. And that cut, of course, includes the signature woo from the Nature Boy. And so when it comes to our Washington football team right now, coming off first the 29-19 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in Week 10, and now the 27-21 win at the Carolina Panthers in Week 11, the question to be asking regarding this two-game winning streak, regarding this movement from 2-6 and six to 4-6 and six is, as Nate himself would say, What's causing all this? And we always want to know one thing. What's causing all this? Yeah. Has Washington won two straight because the NFL season is long and teams win games and we shouldn't read too much into this oh-so-modest two-game winning streak? Or has Washington won two straight because the team finally has figured some things out? and is getting better, and is perhaps now in the midst of a run. After all, no team does late regular season runs better than our team. The late regular season run, that's our move. Each of Washington's last five playoff seasons has featured a late regular season run to the postseason. 2005, Washington went from 5-6 and six to 10-6. and six. 2007, Washington went from 5 and 7 to 9 and 7. 2012, Washington went from 3 and 6 to 10 and 6. 2015, Washington went from 5 and 7 to 9 and 7. 2020, Washington went from 1 and 5 to 7 and 9. All five of those seasons were playoff seasons. Are we right now in the midst of Washington being in yet another run to a postseason? Again, what's causing all this? And we always want to know one thing, what's causing all this? Exactly, Nate. Well, as you may know, Ron Rivera head coach teams have a history of doing really well in the second halves of regular seasons. Ron Rivera, with that win at the Panthers on Sunday afternoon, improved to 51-34 and as an NFL head coach in November, December, and January regular season games. Ron Rivera, last regular season, in his first season as Washington head coach, went 5-4 and four in November, December, and January regular season games. Ron Rivera, as Carolina Panthers head coach, went 44-30 and 30 in November, December, and January regular season games, including a ridiculous 41-19 and 19 over his first seven seasons as Panthers head coach. Ron Rivera's Panthers teams routinely played their best late in seasons. Is that what we're seeing right now with this two-game winning streak? A Ron Rivera head-coached Washington football team playing its best as we get into the later portion of a season. Right on Monday afternoon did his day-after-the-game Zoom press conference. Here he was on the history of his teams doing well in November, December, and January regular season games. Well, I, I think it's 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 just the guys 
putting it all together. I mean, my first two years in Carolina, if you go back and look at it, it's the same situation. You know, we won our last four in a row my first year. We won five out of the last six my second year. Um, and so we, we, you know, we all attributed to that the younger guys just putting it together, everybody feeling comfortable with each other. You know, remember, this is a completely different secondary, and, and I think our guys had to find their footing to, to, to kind of get a good feel for it. Um, I think that's part of what's happened with the secondary. You see the confidence in which now they communicate the comps in which they're executing. I think up front, the defensive line, understanding, hey, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain discipline to, to, to rushing, rushing. It's not, you know, hey, what I can do individually, but what can we do together? Um, and, and I think that's, that was part of it last year because you really saw those guys take off as they got comfortable working together. Um, and, and then you look at the offensive side and it's, it's always, it's about growth and development. You know, last year when Alex came in and took over, you saw everybody growing around him and you, you know, now you see it Taylor's out there and, and the young guys around him are growing, but he's also growing. And I think that's also a contributing factor. Now, you know, we got to continue with this. I mean, this is a big one coming up for a Monday night game. So we're really looking forward to the opportunity to get back on that football field. Yes, Washington home to the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football this coming Monday night. It would be something if Ron, in his second season as Washington head coach, did as he did in his first season as Washington head coach, get the team to rally to make the playoffs. Now, of course, last season, Washington had the benefit of playing in an NFC East that was atrocious. This season, the NFC East at least has one really good team, in the Dallas Cowboys, although they did not look so good in losing at the Kansas City Chiefs this past Sunday, 19-9. Still, though, the Cowboys are 7-3. The point differential is plus 79. That blows away the point differential of each of the other three teams in the NFC East. But what about the NFC wildcard standings? We now have three wildcard teams in each conference, not two. The NFC is filled, and I mean filled, with teams that are 5-5, five and 5-6, five, five and six, or 4-6. and six. It's crazy when you look at the NFC standings. Here was Ron on Monday on whether he, with his team this season, can use the wildcard race as a motivating factor for the team in the same way that he, last season, used the NFC East race as a motivating factor for the team. Absolutely we can, but we can also use the division because if, if, if we're fortunate enough to take care of our business, and 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 get to the get to uh to to the second week of Defe- December where we play five straight division games, we have a chance because remember you, you're going to win the division, you got to control it. So we'll have an opportunity if we continue to, to play well and give ourselves that opportunity to get to December um, and uh, second week of December see what happens. But yeah, most certainly can can I mean that's the carrot. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you get in. Just ask Tampa Bay; they were the wild card. You know, so all you got to do is get in and we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. Things do seem to finally be going in Washington's favor this season. You know, I say that and I feel like I need to look up to the sky to make sure that lightning isn't about to strike me. But did you see the report from NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on Monday afternoon? Rappaport tweeted the following, quote, the Washington football team, winners of two in a row, are getting reinforcements. Source said tight end Logan Thomas on IR with a hamstring injury 
since October 6th is expected to practice this week. He hasn't been fully cleared yet to return, but the plan is to do so and start his clock, end quote. And that report was then confirmed by multiple Washington football team insiders. So Logan could be back for Washington's game against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football this coming Monday. All Washington has had to do this season is stay afloat until getting to those five consecutive NFC East games that conclude Washington's regular season. I first talked about that months ago, the idea of just stay afloat over the first 12 games of your regular season and you will have more than an opportunity to make hay because each of your final five regular season games is an NFC East game. Those five division games in December and January could end up being everything for Washington this season. And Washington at four and six is staying afloat. Like, you know, you can define staying afloat in a variety of ways, but to me, four and six is staying afloat. Now, it's certainly not ideal, okay? And this version of staying afloat has come in a rather circuitous fashion, right? A two and six start. But Washington right now, is staying afloat. Washington needed these last two wins in the worst way and got them. And they have opened up a number of possibilities. Well, do you need a lawyer? Do you think that you might need a lawyer? If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace handles complex personal injury, medical negligence, and wrongful death cases. The services of Paulson and Nace are available in D.C., Maryland, and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is a family law firm. The Naces are DMV through and through. Big Washington football team fans. I've known the Naces for 25 years. These are good people. These are smart people. And these are successful people. Paulson and Nace is a law firm that wins. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. You see, not all law firms focusing on medical malpractice, birth injuries, product liability, and other personal injury matters have trial experience. In fact, many law firms have no courtroom experience at all and look to settle such cases without ever presenting them to a jury. A client has limited options for reasonable settlement if he or she is represented by an attorney with limited trial experience. This is where Paulson and Nace comes in. Paulson and Nace is like the Bill Belichick of D.C. area law firms. Founding partner Barry Nace has tried more medical malpractice cases to verdict in Washington, D.C. than any other plaintiff's attorney. Yes, like I said, Belichick. If you're looking for a lawyer, ask yourself, do you want an attorney who talks about unverified successful cases or do you want a law firm that has fought the good fight for decades? That law firm is Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel as if you've been wronged, if you have a complex personal injury, medical negligence, or wrongful death case, or you think that you may have one but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yes, you're obligated to nothing. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule your no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let their family take care of yours.
Well, there was no more popular topic during Ron Rivera's day after the game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon than Taylor Heineke. It's funny, these Ron day after the game Zoom pressers tend to have themes. The undeniable theme from Monday's day after the game Zoom presser was Taylor Heineke, and for good reason. He has been outstanding over Washington's last two games. There is no bigger reason for Washington having its first winning streak of the season than Taylor Heineke. He was at best so-so in each of the four games during Washington's four-game losing streak. He has been really good in each of the two games that make up this two-game winning streak. And unlike what was the case for Heineke's performance in the 29-19 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in Week 10, the advanced stats were quite kind to Heineke's performance from the 27-21 win at the Carolina Panthers this past Sunday afternoon. Taylor Heineke's total QBR per ESPN for the game as of Monday was 92.5. Total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Heineke in the win at the Panthers had a total QBR of 92.5. That is the highest single game total QBR for a Washington quarterback who played for an entire game since Kirk Cousins registered a total QBR of 94.3 in a 41-21 win at the Chicago Bears on Christmas Eve 2016. Now, Dwayne Haskins did have a total QBR of 92.8 in a 41-35 overtime loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field December 22nd, 2019. But Dwayne in that game, as you may recall, was knocked out of the game early in the second half. He suffered a left ankle injury on the second overall play and first offensive play of the second half. So per what is to me the number one stat for quarterbacks right now, ESPN's total QBR, Taylor Heineke just had the best game by a Washington quarterback in nearly five years. Also, Heineke's overall grade for the win at the Panthers for Pro Football Focus was 88. His overall grade for the win over the Bucks per PFF was just 68.5. Uh, PFF grades also are on a scale of 0 to 100. Is Taylor Haneke finding that right balance between playmaker and, shall we say, playbook follower? Uh, he, during the two-game winning streak, does have four touchdown passes versus no interceptions. Ron on Monday on whether there can be a perfect balance between Taylor Heineke, the playmaker, and Taylor Heineke, the quarterback who plays within the system. For the most part, yes. I mean, um, he gets it. He understands football pretty well, and he's still learning it. But you do see some things that he does go off script. And a couple of times, you know, I've, I've heard Scotty, you know, say, oh, he's got, he's got, he's got seven. No. And then he'll throw the dig and he'll say, oh, okay, good. Good decision. <laughs> um, you know, those are, those are, that, that, those are some of the innate things that, that, you know, you really can't tell if you're, if you're sticking, sticking exactly to the way things are. Hey, you read this, you read this, you throw it over there. Well, you may read this, read this, but all of a sudden you may see something else and no, I've got, this back here and he'll do that the thing that you worry about is when he gets off script um it's it's not necessarily that type of an example as much as it is just really trying to force something holding the bike you know the last couple of weeks you could you could say that uh, a few of the sacks that we've had we've given up 
have been because he's he's held the ball longer than he should have. Instead of just dumping it or throwing it away, he's trying to buy a little more time. And at that point, you'd love to say, hey, just you know, ditch the ball, go ahead and throw it out of bounds, or you know, take the check down, take what's given you. Um, those are the things that you wish he would do consistently at, at certain times. But when he makes other things happen, you say, oh, that's exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah, like the miracle fourth down completion in the win at the Panthers. Fourth quarter, fourth and three at the Panthers, 43. Taylor Heineke, a six-yard shotgun completion to John Bates on a broken play. Heineke doing a masterful job of running to his left, then making the completion of putting on the brakes with linebacker Jermaine Carter Jr. and edge rusher Brian Burns coming right at Heineke. What a play that was. What a moment that was in that game. Now, speaking of that play, so it came on a fourth down. Heineke on Sunday quarterback to Washington offense that went 6-13 on third downs and 2-2 two two on fourth downs. Heineke in the win over the Bucs quarterback to Washington offense that went 11-19 of 19 on third downs and 2-2 two two on fourth downs. Taylor Heineke over these two games in this two-game winning streak on third down and fourth down plays is, you ready for this? 21 of 25 for 247 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He has three carries for 22 yards, and his overall grade for Pro Football Focus is 92.4. He has been excellent over these last two games on third down and fourth down plays. It's funny with Haneke. You know, he's been on Washington for less than 12 months. The one-year anniversary of Washington signing him to the practice squad isn't until December. And yet we already have had so much talk about what Taylor Heineke is and what he isn't, what he can be, and what he can't be. I mean, it really is obnoxious when you think about it, right? That's why I've been preaching to have an open mind with this guy. We can't be certain of anything because the sample size is just so small. The only thing that's for sure with Taylor Heineke, is that nothing's for sure. This outright refusal by some to even consider Taylor Heineke as a legit starting quarterback in the NFL has been laughable to me. And these people continue to look foolish. Taylor Heineke on Sunday at the Panthers made just his 10th start, regular season and postseason as a Washington quarterback, and just his 11th start, regular season and postseason As an NFL quarterback, the guy has made 11 career regular season and postseason starts in the NFL. If he was a rookie doing what he's doing, people would be going nuts. But because he entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Old Dominion, because he doesn't overwhelm you with his physical tools, there are plenty of people in the NFL, in the media, in the fan base who just refuse to come off their initial negative opinions of him as a player. And I'm not saying that he should be treated exactly as a rookie would be treated. I'm not saying that he should be viewed exactly as a rookie would be viewed, but understand how few games this guy has played in his NFL career. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday on at what point inexperience stops being a thing with Taylor Heineke. Um, honestly, I think we, you, you figure if the guy's played for a good year, you know, 16 games, 17 games now, I guess is the numbers, you know, but, you know, has that kind of growth. Um, I, again, I, 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 I know he, you know, he, he played for us. He played a game. 
Carolina. Then he got an opportunity to play a game, a couple games here last year, and now he's playing a lot. And but yet there's still so many things that he's learning and growing and developing. And it, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. It really has. You know, you watch and tape and you sit down and, you know, I, I listen to Scott talk, talk about specific plays and what he's doing on these things. And it's really kind of interesting to see these things um, and how he, how he sees them. Now there's a lot of things that come natural to him, um, you know, that, that kind of speaks to his athleticism. Like yesterday having to throw around Jeremy Lynn, the sidearm shot. Um, and then the, the throwback, you know, across his body to uh, to uh, John Bates for the uh, for the first down. I mean, those things are athletic. Those are things that he can do, um, and and those are things that are innate to what he, his skill set is. Yes, they are. Those two plays are Ron Rivera referenced there. Second quarter, Taylor Heineke, a first and ten, five yard shotgun play action completion to Dax Milne who made a nice diving catch off Heineke, having made a sidearm throw with pressure in his face from safety Jeremy Chin. That's not easy to do, and yet Taylor Heineke did that. And then Ron referenced, of course, the ridiculous fourth quarter, fourth and three, six-yard shotgun completion to John Bates. I last segment asked, what's causing all this when it comes to Washington's two-game winning streak? Could it be that what is causing Taylor Heineke's very good play over these last two games is him growing as an NFL quarterback. I think one of the tougher things to deal with in terms of Taylor Heineke as of at least a few weeks ago was, well, the struggles that we're seeing from Heineke, are these struggles due to his lack of experience or are these struggles due to this just being who he is as an NFL quarterback? Well, maybe the former was the case. Maybe Taylor Heineke, during that four-game losing streak, was just trying to work through some things that maybe the things that we were seeing from Taylor Heineke during that four-game losing streak were just growing pains. Rod Rivera on Monday on Heineke right now getting one start after another, having his starts in succession. And I think that's important because, again, you get a little bit of a rhythm going. The guys around you get a little bit of rhythm and get an understanding and feel for you. And I think because he's had that opportunity, you know, we're seeing what he can develop into. I'm not saying this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, but again, if this guy continues to to, to manage um, and direct and then make plays when we need him, I mean that's that's what I've always said. We're, we're we're hoping to get out of this as a guy that can do that, you know, is manage the game, and then when they have to make plays, make the plays. You know, we were fortunate where we got a lot of that last year, um, and and we're hoping to, to 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 build off of you know what we got right now, and we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. So I mentioned Heineke during the two-game winning streak having four touchdown passes versus no interceptions. That oh-so-nice ratio has come as Washington has gotten back to being good in the red zone. All three of Heineke's touchdown passes in the win at the Panthers were red zone touchdown passes. Washington during the four-game losing streak went a putrid 2 of 11 in the red zone. Washington during this two-game winning streak has gone 5 of 10 in the red zone. Rod Rivera on Monday on Taylor Heineke in the red zone over these last two games. He's been he's been really good um, with the windows in terms of understanding those. The thing I like too has been when he has been throwing outside, he's been throwing it to the spots and not trying to lay it into the spots if you, if you get the difference. You know, and I, I, t- I mentioned to you guys again, the play I always go back to is the Green Bay game when he tried to loft that one in there perfectly to Adam instead of just throwing it to the pylon. 
And then we saw him do it back-to-back weeks with uh, DeAndre Carter. You know what I'm saying? When he threw that seven route both times for touchdowns to DeAndre the last two games. And then this past game, you watch him throwing into those windows. And, and, and that, I think, is big because he's, he's starting to understand, you know, hey, I, this is the coverage I get. These are the windows I know I have, and I've got to get it there on time. I mean, if you look at what he did when he threw that one to Cam, Jeremy Lin has got it red. Okay. It was, it was, a, it was an RPO. He sticks it down in there and Jeremy sees it's an RPO and he starts to drift to the right. But what happened, Taylor waited, excuse me, drift to Taylor's left, his right. And Taylor waited and threw it behind him. And Jeremy had no chance to knock it down, but he threw it behind him into the window between the safety and the corner between the other safety and corner. I mean, that's what I'm, you see him throwing through those windows which I think is a big thing. Yes, and the Panther safety is Jeremy Chin, uh, not Jeremy Lin. <laughs> Jeremy Lin has got it red. No, Ron, Jeremy Chin is the Panther safety, uh, not Jeremy Lin. Anyway, uh, Taylor Heineke's three touchdown passes in the win at the Panthers. The early second quarter, second and five, six-yard shotgun play action touchdown pass to Cam Sims as Heineke made a great tight window throw that Ron was talking about in that cut. Heineke on the play, firing the football between linebacker Jermaine Carter Jr. and corner C.J. Henderson. Heineke had the first and 10, 12-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin with nine seconds left in the second quarter. McLaurin making the catch despite a pass interference penalty by safety Jeremy Chin that was declined. Or was that Jeremy Lynn? I'm not sure. Was that James Smith-Williams or James Williams-Smith? I'm not sure either. Jeremy Lynn has got it red. Yes, thank you, Ron. And Heineke in the third quarter had that third and goal, four-yard shotgun touchdown pass to DeAndre Carter. Again, all three of Taylor Heineke's touchdown passes in the win at the Panthers were red zone touchdown passes. And so what now with Taylor Heineke? Well, if it's all right with you, we're going to see some more. He's not being benched for Kyle Allen, not now anyway. So my deepest condolences to those who were clamoring for that. Uh, Heineke is going to move forward as Washington's starting quarterback, barring injury. And oh, by the way, knock on wood, remember all of those concerns about Heineke's durability. Well, how's he doing so far this season in terms of that? How's Heineke doing so far this season in terms of staying healthy? Pretty well, I would say. Uh, But Ryan Fitzpatrick is almost certainly not going to play again this season due to the right hip subluxation that was suffered in the loss to the Los Angeles Chargers at FedEx Field in week one. So QB1 for the Washington football team for at least this season is a job that is Taylor Heineke's to lose. And so all of that brings us to this. Ron Rivera's comments on Monday on essentially Heineke potentially being a franchise quarterback. Now, Ron wasn't asked about this directly But he was asked about this generically, and he ended up talking about Heineke, whether Ron meant to or not. You know, Ron likes to talk, and when he gets going at these press conferences, he can't always help himself. So Ron on Monday got asked what he's looking at with a quarterback when evaluating whether that quarterback is a potential franchise quarterback. Here was Ron's answer. Well, what we'll look for more, obviously, other than the skill set, is, is really the energy level he'll play with, um, his decision-making, can he process, you know. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks that, that, that are, you know, that, that, that 
don't necessarily have the full package. And we're going to, you know, try and find the guys that we think will fit what we do. Um, we'll be good decision makers, do a great job of processing, um, have the ability to, to, to get that across to their teammates. Um, one of the things that I find impressive is, you know, and it's kind of neat. I get that opportunity is, is, is during practice. And then during the game, I watch for it but during practice, you know, I'll, I'll lean in and I'll watch as Taylor calls a huddle. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've seen it um, in, in, in some of the really good ones that I've, I've been fortunate enough to be around. You know, I, I, I watched Philip Rivers do it how he would talk and he would watch and look at everybody, hey, you know, and make sure as he's making the call that guys that need to know specifically what he's saying, he's looking at, he's communicating to, um, you know, and, and he may say something specific too to that player. I see, I, I, I've seen Taylor do that, you know, which I thought was impressive. Um, Alex Smith did that last year. And you, and every now and then you see him put his hand up too when he do it. And, and that shows command as far as I'm concerned. I think it shows, hey, I've got a feel for it. And I got to make sure this guy knows, hey, you, you run that route, you know, make sure you get a good release, you know. And, hey, guys up front, you got to make deliver this ball. I mean, that's what you want is a guy that's going to be able to communicate those things to his guys as well. Um, but there, there will be a lot of things that we're going to look at. We're, we're, we're doing as much homework as we can right now, all the current – college players coming out and we'll be doing the same thing when we start getting ready for free agency. And also we're going to evaluate our guy, you know, we think our guys are, are continuing to grow and develop because they're young guys with good arms um, that shows some of the skill set we're looking for. We're going to evaluate everything. And you absolutely should, but how about that from Ron, him comping Taylor Heineke's huddle command to the huddle commands of Philip Rivers and Alex Smith. That's a pretty nice compliment. Ron on Monday then got asked whether he, after a season, will review certain things about one of his players, even though Ron already knows plenty about his players. There will be, because because you want you know one of the things we'll want to know is is why does why does he get frenetic in this situation? What what yeah. causes that? You know, it's funny because after the Atlanta game, it was kind of hard to give him a true evaluation because of what had happened. You know, we lose the whole right side of our offensive line. We lose, we lose two wide receivers, our starting tight end. Um, you know, and 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 Antonio had the the, the shin uh, injury, and you start saying, God, you know, we're, you know, is it fair right now? And, and so, you you kind of want to hold your breath a little bit and just slow it down. Yeah. But as we go through it, when we go back through all those things, and and I know we'll talk about that that stretch. You know, what happened? Why didn't he play better? Was he trying to be too perfect? You know, yeah. and one of the things that I, I I kind of felt was that certain throws, he was just he was just trying to, you know, just trying to will it in there instead of throwing it. Yeah. And those are things that, you know, you look at when you're when you're evaluating guys, um, you know, you're looking for the quick twitch, the quick decision making movement when you watch him go through his progressions, those types of things. Um, you know, and then that quick twitch that, Hey, okay, this is where I am. I'm going to get the ball out now. You, you, yeah. you know, we're, we will spend a lot of time going through all those things. And you should. Uh, so Ron in that response, again, got Taylor Heineke specific, even though Ron wasn't asked specifically about Taylor Heineke. Ron essentially said that Heineke can get frenetic. I think that Ron Rivera is open 
to Taylor Heineke being Washington's QB1 beyond this season. And I think that you should be open to that too. Uh, Now look, you're allowed to be a fan however you want to be a fan. But to me, being open-minded is the way to be. And understand, being open-minded doesn't mean being committed. It just means being open-minded. Being open-minded also doesn't mean that you can't take a quarterback in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, Honestly, I think Washington should very much be in on taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft, basically regardless of what happens the rest of this season. Now, I guess if Taylor Heineke plays at an all-pro level the rest of the season, then that changes things. But even if Taylor Heineke ends up being quite good the rest of this regular season, if Washington really likes one or more of the quarterbacks available to the team in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft, then Washington should do all that it can to take a quarterback in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. Look, until Washington has itself a true, legit, stud franchise quarterback, Washington needs to be doing all that it can within reason to get a true, legit, stud franchise quarterback. But it's possible and I stress that word, possible, that Taylor Heineke is that guy. Up next, more on the Washington football team. What Ron Rivera on Monday said about Antonio Gibson's fumbling problem. I'll get to that after this. Hey guys, Al Galdi here. Well, the Washington football team has won two consecutive games. Still plenty of time left in this Washington football team season to attend a game. And there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Washington football team tickets. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only ticket site that you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. You see, TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. This allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of its NFL tickets. Don't believe this? Look, if you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And so if you're looking to watch Washington live this season, get your tickets at TickPick.com slash Galdi to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. Whether you want to attend the Monday Nighter against the Seahawks on November 29th, or want to make the trip to Vegas to watch Washington play at the Raiders on December 5th, or want to hit up any of Washington's five NFC East games over the final five weeks of the regular season, TickPick has you covered. Again, TickPick guarantees the best prices on all of its NFL tickets, no more of those ridiculous service fees. Visit TickPick.com slash Galdi right now to save $10 on your first order of Washington football team tickets. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com slash Galdi. That's TickPick.com slash Galdi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We get back to talking Washington football team off the 27-21 win at the Carolina Panthers on Sunday afternoon to get to four and six. This win to me was a true team win for Washington. A lot of guys played well. Taylor Heineke played well. Terry McLaurin played well. Uh, Washington's offensive line played well. Overcame Samuel Cosme getting hurt again. And at one point being down to the third string center in Keith Ismail. Uh, In fact, Cosme's replacement at right tackle, Cornelius Lucas, played on 60% of Washington's offensive snaps and registered the highest grade for the game from Pro Football Focus for any Washington player. Lucas's grade for the game per PFF was 88.2. Washington's defense played well for a second consecutive game. All of these things contributed to Washington's win at the Panthers. Another thing was Washington's running game. Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Jared Patterson combined for 33 carries for 164 yards. That works out to 4.97 yards per carry. Washington won the time of possession battle by 11 minutes, 46 seconds. Second straight game in which Washington dominated time of possession. Washington, in its 29-19 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in Week 10, won the time of possession battle by 18 minutes, 16 seconds. Rod Rivera, during his day-after-the-game Zoom press conference on Monday afternoon on the play of Washington's running backs in the win at the Panthers. Um, I loved how hard our backs ran with the ball. Um, you know, and, and, and even, even when Antonio fumbled the ball, that, that's a tough play because he had barely gotten a handoff and taken a step when the guy put his arm in there. And, you know, it, it, that's, that's tough. That, that, that's tough. But, man, he ran the ball exactly what we, we really believe he can. I mean, he, he was physical. He, he ran downhill, ran behind his pads, and, and he's, he's learning and developing that way. Yes, he is. But, of course, Antonio Gibson did have that lost fumble that Ron mentioned right there. Antonio Gibson finished with 19 carries for 95 yards. That's really good, but he also had that lost fumble. Uh, he was not targeted in the passing game, played on 49% of Washington's offensive snaps. Remember, Gibson is dealing with that shin ailment, but also remember Gibson had another major boo-boo in this game, him getting tackled out of bounds on that 70-yard under center handoff run on a fourth quarter, third and 10 at the Panthers 18 with the Panthers out of second half timeouts and Washington nursing a three-point lead at 24-21. That play essentially gave the Panthers an extra timeout, but the lost fumble was bad on a first quarter second and eight at the Panthers 13. So this was a red zone play. Antonio Gibson, a lost fumble on a shotgun handoff run for a minus two yards. Now, the ensuing Panthers offensive drive did result in a punt, but Gibson got benched for a while after this lost fumble, what was his fifth fumble in 10 games 
this season. Again, Gibson was good in this game. I don't want to lose sight of that. 19 carries, 95 yards, but the lost fumble looms large because it was the continuation of him having a fumbling problem. Ron on Monday on whether he will have a conversation with a player when Ron benches the player, as Ron did Gibson. I usually do it as soon as I can get to him and just say, hey, look, you're going to get a chance again. Just relax, get it, get over with it and get ready to roll. And, you know, we sat him down for a little bit, let him, you know, get through it. And then we got him back out there and gave him the ball right back, you know, and and and, and I think that's what you have to do. But, you, you know, you do want to just take a breath and, and, and sit down for a sec. Yeah, it's like putting a kid in timeout. It's like when I put my four-year-old son in timeout. Now, my four-year-old son being in timeout ends up being like Pablo Escobar in Narcos being in quote-unquote jail, which if you watch Narcos, you know, ended up being this party house for El Pablo. Uh, trust me, in my house, I'm like the police in Colombia in the 1980s, and my son is Pablo Escobar. He's the guy who really runs things, but Antonio Gibson on Sunday was put in timeout, and he, to his credit, responded. Uh, he was really good after that loss fumble. Right on Monday on how he can get Antonio Gibson's fumbling problem fixed. Well, just continue to work on it um, and not make it a blown out, blown up situation. Uh, reinforce, protect the ball, not don't fumble it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's the truth of the matter is we don't want him worrying about fumbling and we want to worry about protecting it, carrying it properly the way he needs to. That's that's what's important. Um, and again, it is a mindset. It is all about understanding, you know, how to communicate that, in my opinion, to a, to a player so that he's, he's thinking about the important thing of protecting the ball as opposed to not fumbling the ball. Many, many running backs have had fumbling problems. Uh, one of the more famous instances of a running back fumbling problem was Tiki Barber's fumbling problem. Tiki Barber, the former New York Giants running back, the Virginia product, but he overcame his fumbling problem, at least to where he was able to have some big seasons. But Tiki Barber, over a four-season stretch, 2000 through 2003, had at least eight fumbles in each of those four regular seasons. He, over those four regular seasons, totaled an astonishing 35 fumbles. But Tiki, over his final two regular seasons, 2005 and 2006, totaled just four fumbles. And if you remember, Tiki Barber, over his final three regular seasons, especially over his final two regular seasons, was outstanding. Now, he was good before that, but he was a monster over those 2005 and 2006 seasons. He averaged more than five yards per carry in each of those two seasons. He had more than 1,600 rushing yards in each of those two seasons. So a fumbling problem can be fixed. Antonio Gibson just needs to fix his. Well, tough game for the Wizards on Monday night. They fell to 11-6, and a 109-103 loss to the Charlotte Hornets at Capital One Arena. If you are tracking your NBA Eastern Conference standings this early in the season, God help you. But if you are tracking your NBA Eastern Conference standings this early in the season. The Wizards now are tied with the Miami Heat for third in the East at 11-6. and six. The Hornets are fifth in the East at 11-8. and eight. The Wizards on Monday night never led in the second half. This was a frustrating game. Wizards began the game on an 11-3 run, but that allowed the Hornets to go on a 70-45 run 
to where the Wizards in the third quarter trailed by 17 points at 73-56. Wizards did cut their deficit to two at 105-103 in the final minute of the fourth quarter, but Terry Rozier connected on a 27-foot contested step back left wing three for a 108-103 Hornets lead with 12.9 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Terry Rozier, he went off on Monday night. You know, the Wizards' three-point defense overall has been really good this season. I talked about that on Monday's show, episode 192, but the Wizards' three-point defense on Monday night was not good. Uh, The Wizards' three-point defense on Monday night was, shall we say, lacking. Uh, The Wizards allow the Hornets to go 15-31 of on threes, and most of that was Terry Rozier. The Wiz allowed Rozier to go 8-11 of on threes. Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on his team allowing Rozier to go 8 of 11 on threes. Yeah, he's one of those guys that, you know, he sees it go in um, and he, he can he can get he can really get going, uh, heat up quickly. Um, and, you know, I think it's, we had that stretch where, you know, we couldn't buy a stop, you know, called the timeout and we changed our own complexion, didn't change the coverage. The, the fact that, you know, um, our care factor went up a bit, you know, it's, it's, that part's good that we responded, but the fact that we have to respond, you know, uh, at all, that's just who we should be. Um, finding a way to, you know, continue to play that way every, every minute, you know, being in the right spot, being in the right coverage, communicating the right commands, doing everything I need to do in that possession offensively and defensively. It's, you know, it, it's not always easy. But that's the challenge. Yeah, you could tell that West Jr. was not pleased with his team's three-point defense, and he shouldn't have been. And then there was the Wizards' three-point shooting, and really shooting in general. Uh, the Wiz went just 9 of 36 on threes and went just 27 of 57 on twos. So the Wizards did not shoot well at all in this game. I mean, just think about it like this. The Wizards went 9 of 36 on threes. Terry Rozier on his own went 8 of 11 on threes. Uh, Bradley Beal struggled on threes again. Beal went just two of seven on threes and just three of 11 on twos, committed four turnovers in 39 minutes, 23 seconds as a starter. Did finish with 18 points, nine assists, and seven rebounds, but Beal's three-point shooting struggles continued. Spencer Dinwiddie went just two of seven on threes and 0 of four on twos in 29 52 as a starter. Dinwiddie scored just eight points in the game. Kentavious Caldwell Pope, two of six on threes, did have 17 points and four steals in 28-16 as a starter. Now, the good news is that it appears as if Davis Bertans finally may be coming back. Uh, Bertans on Monday night missed his 10th consecutive game due to a left ankle sprain, but he practiced with the Capital City Go-Go on Monday, and West Jr. said that Bertans was able to participate in live scrimmages. Uh, Bertans was to travel with the Wizards for their upcoming four-game road trip, so presumably he'll be back at some point on the trip. Now look, Bertans has not been very good so far this season, uh, nor was he very good last season. Uh, if remember being re-signed to that five-year $80 million contract, but he is capable on threes. And if the Wizards are going to truly get going on threes, you figure Davies Bertans is going to be a part of that. Uh, the Wizards, of course, also remain without Rui Hachimura. He has yet to play this season due to personal reasons, and the Wizards remain without Thomas Bryant. He has yet to play this season as he recovers from that partially torn left ACL that was suffered this past January 9th. A few other items from this Wizards loss to the Hornets at Capital One Arena. So the Wizards committed 18 turnovers to the Hornets 10. Uh, That was a problem. 
And the Wizards lost despite obliterating the Hornets on the boards. The Wizards out-rebounded the Hornets 65-36. How about that? The Wizards lost this game despite out-rebounding the Hornets by 29. Wes Jr., during his post-game press conference on the Wizards losing this game despite that decisive edge in rebounding. Our conversion rate wasn't great, you know, where they got back taps and 50-50 balls and they converted. Not all, but a lot of them. So, uh, you know, it's a great stat and it's good that we've, uh, you know, are able to out-rebound a team. But then again, if they're, they're not missing, <laughs> not a whole lot of rebounds. Yeah, makes sense. And again, you could tell West Jr. was not happy after this loss. Uh, but the Wizards had 20 offensive rebounds to the Hornets' six. Montrez Harrell in 26 minutes, 48 seconds off the bench had 18 rebounds, including seven offensive rebounds. Harrell was really good again in this game. He had 24 points on 10 of 13 shooting, all of which were twos. So Harrell went 10 of 13 on twos. The rest of the Wizards went just 17 of 44 on twos. And the Wizards making the game close in the fourth quarter was due in large part to Harrell. Harrell in a fourth quarter that the Wizards won 30-26, had 11 points on five of six shooting and six rebounds. Uh, also rebounding well was Kyle Kuzma, and he has rebounded really well this season. Kuzma on Monday night, 13 rebounds, including three offensive boards in 30-49 as a starter. He went just one of four on threes and committed four turnovers, but did go four of eight on twos, also had 11 points and five assists. And Daniel Gafford in just 21 minutes, 12 seconds as a starter, had 10 rebounds, including three offensive boards. He also had eight points on three of seven shooting in two blocks, but did commit two turnovers and five fouls and did get dunked on by LaMelo Ball. Uh, that's not easy to do to dunk on Daniel Gafford, who is a legit rim protector, but LaMelo Ball did that in the second quarter. That was quite the moment. Uh, that was not a good moment if you're like me and are a Wizards fan, but that was impressive. LaMelo Ball in the game only went 3-9 and nine on threes and only went 7-15 on twos, but he finished with 28 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, and 3 steals. Did also have 6 turnovers. So next up for the Wizards is this 4-game road trip. 4 games in 8 days. Wizards will be at the New Orleans Pelicans Wednesday night at 8, then at the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday night, at the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday night, and then at the San Antonio Spurs on Monday night. Well, we have not had much in the way of Orioles news to get into lately on this podcast, and we probably won't for a while, A, because the O's remain a tanking team, and B, because we are almost certainly headed toward a lockout with the collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association set to expire at the end of the day on December 1st, right before midnight and the start of the day on December 2nd. But in the meantime, uh, we did have some feel-good Orioles news on Monday evening. Orioles first baseman Trey Mancini won the American League Comeback Player of the Year Award. Uh, no surprise, this felt about as inevitable as something will ever feel, okay? This was like the sun rising in the east this morning. Trey Mancini winning the American League Comeback Player of the Year Award for the 2021 season. Uh, the Comeback Player of the Year Awards began in 2005. The awards are voted on by the 30 club beat reporters from MLB.com. So Mancini in the 2021 season returned off having missed all of the 2020 season 
due to stage three colon cancer. So if he didn't win the American League Comeback Player of the Year award, the award probably should have just been canceled. Uh, Now, Mancini did not finish the 2021 regular season with overwhelming numbers. He cooled off as the season went on. Uh, Ultimately, Trey Mancini in the 2021 regular season, 147 games, 616 plate appearances, batting average of 255, on base percentage of 326, slugging percentage of 432. That works out to an OPS plus of 104. 100 is league average. Above 100 is above average. So, you know, 104 is slightly above average. Not bad, but it wasn't like it was a great season for Trey Mancini offensively. And he ultimately had a wins above replacement per baseball reference of just 0.8. You know, that's really not that good. Um, You know, again, it's not awful, but like it's not special. So I think like there's some context that needs to be arrived at with Trey Mancini. Like he didn't kill it, but given the circumstances, right? But again, the guy had stage three colon cancer, missed all of the 2020 season. You can't do anything but praise him for him coming back to have a major league career. So it's a great story. Every indication is that this guy is a great guy. And Trey Mancini during the 2021 season did give us a pretty memorable moment in that 2021 home run derby. Remember, Nationals right fielder Juan Soto and Orioles first baseman Trey Mancini, they killed it at that 2021 home run derby. Soto put on a show. Uh, Soto was the number eight seed in the event. His first round opponent was Shohei Otani the now reigning defending American League MVP from the 2021 season. Shohei was having a season from the heavens for the Los Angeles Angels this past season at the time of the home run derby. And yet Soto beat Otani in what ended up being a first round classic. The home run derby was won by New York Mets first baseman Pete Alonso. And who did Alonso beat in the final? Trey Mancini. So that was a really fun night during MLB All-Star Week this past July. And Trey Mancini was a big part of that. Uh, Look, with Trey Mancini, I've said this, I'll say it again right now. I mean, I'm not trying to be a buzzkill of him winning American League Comeback Player of the Year. The Orioles do need to trade him. Uh, This coming season will be Trey Mancini's age 30 season and the final season of team control. So he can leave the Orioles as a free agent next offseason. Now, I don't know how much value Trey Mancini has personally. Again, the numbers from last season didn't end up being that great. He's going into his 30s, and you know he's a guy who is becoming sort of a dinosaur in baseball from a standpoint of he's not positionally versatile. He plays first base, and if you're going to play first base, you really have to have overwhelming offensive prowess, and Mancini at least didn't display that last season. Now, maybe he displays that in this upcoming season, assuming that we have a season, which I think that we will. Um, so it's kind of an interesting spot here for the Orioles. I mean, again, everyone loves Trey Mancini. None of this is personal. It's actually a compliment to him to say, hey, trade him and get back some value for him. But to me, from an Orioles perspective, you are still a tanking team. You are still multiple seasons away from being good. It does you no good to hold on to Trey Mancini, and then he can up and leave you next offseason. So I would look for the Orioles to trade him this offseason or at some point next season But we'll see. I mean, there would be a public relations hit that the O's would take for trading Mancini. I don't think the O's should operate in fear of PR hits at this point. Uh, But I understand it's easy for me doing a podcast to say these things. It's harder in the real world, you know, when you're running a ball club to do something like trade away Trey Mancini. But understand, if you're an O's fan and you're trying to do this rebuild the right way, you do trade Trey Mancini.
All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 194, will feature a lot on the Washington football team. Now, I'm working on a few things. I can't announce anything just now. But trust me, if you're a Washington football team fan, you will enjoy Wednesday's show. I will send you into Thanksgiving in fine fashion with our football team having this two-game winning streak. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. And we always want to know one thing, what's causing all this? Woo!